Hello and welcome to another bite-sized edition of the Positive Leadership Podcast coming to you from the World Economic Forum's annual meeting here in Davos, Switzerland. I'm Jean-Philippe Courtois, JP. For over 50 years, this meeting has provided an informal space for leaders to discuss the most pressing issues of the day and to try and work out how they can improve the situation for the benefit of all. The concept is simple. From a diverse gathering of leaders, innovations for the global good can be born. And that word diverse is key. There are over 2,000 participants at this year's meeting. Heads of states and governments, yes, but also business leaders, leaders from civil society, researchers, and academics contributing their expertise and insights altogether. If you say, okay, we need KPIs, we need targets, we need this, so people feel it as pressure. If you take it away, people will perform and they'll develop. I'm Jos de Blok and I'm the founder and CEO of Buurtzorg, a community healthcare organization which delivers care at home uh, in neighborhoods in small uh, self-organizing teams. Jos de Blok, my guest today, is a nurse by education and he started a movement which has transformed healthcare and elderly care in the Netherlands. Joost has got a read of managers and in doing so, he's enabled the Dutch healthcare system to reduce costs by around 40%, while the time it takes to administer care has been slashed by a staggering 50%. Meanwhile, Bielshoek has improved job satisfaction so much that he has repeatedly won Dutch Employer of the Year. Self-development is one of the most important things. So if people understand what their strengths are, they will develop their strengths. Do what you think is good for your development. Then it will also contribute to a healthy status of everybody. A warm welcome to the Positive Leadership Podcast, Jos. Thank you. Jos, I understand you've grown up in a family of five. And uh, that family was deeply immersed, and you were deeply immersed with people and situation where solidarity, social issues were very common. So can you briefly share what and who shaped the values you have? Anyway, what triggered interest, I would even call that a vocation if I can, in becoming a nurse? Yes, I think um, what I saw um, in my parents' behavior was that it was normal to to support people in problems. Um, we had a lot of people in our house with uh, mental problems, uh, sometimes with addiction, but also refugees. So, But I was talented with uh, economics. So I started to study economics mm -hmm. for a few years. Yeah. But then I got uh, more or less depressed <laughs> by the the world of of money mm -hmm. so i thought with my values yeah, that i yeah. learned in my in my family mm -hmm. i decided to to quit my study mm -hmm. and to start uh, uh, being educated as a nurse i worked for 14 years as a nurse mm -hmm. then they asked me to become director of a home care organization yeah. and i thought perhaps i can change things because things became more yes. and more bureaucratic And then in 10 years' time, I saw things get worse and worse. And in these 10 years, my idea of starting something myself and the model that, that came with it, I was inspired by my own practice. And I created a, a kind of a, a model where 
um, I thought this is the best environment for nurses to work in. And it's also a sustainable model from a financial perspective. Financial as well. When we talk about social innovation, very often we talk about the theory of change. Uh, so what, what is your theory of change? And, and how did you model this new healthcare approach to replace the existing one that you are fighting with in a way? Yes, that's true. It's always a fight with the system. But what I wanted to show is that if uh, nurses are working based on their professional ethics, that the hours needed, the uh, hours care needed, uh, are getting less and less. Yes. So focusing on empowerment of people, focusing on self-support, yes. creates other outcome. So on both sides, I wanted that nurses could decide together with the patient on what is the best thing to do, what, yes. what are the uh, interventions you should yeah. uh, take care of. And I wanted that patients felt that the nurses were there for them. Mm. And, and I wanted to reduce the bureaucracy. Bureaucracy as well. Yeah. And I wanted to also to show that it can work without a management structure. Hmm. Which is which is quite incredible. I'd like us to, to build on that because in many ways you talk about empowering both the patient and the nurse Can you elaborate a little bit more about what it means to give more powers to a nurse, as an example, and a patient, to do what? What would they do differently? They were not allowed to do in the bureaucratic system, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but nurses are very entrepreneurial. So, and this, this is very powerful. So, but a lot of uh, regulations and organizations take away this power. So if you create ownership uh, for the nurses, if you say, okay, you're going to work in a team, in this neighborhood yeah. and the networks and the results and your colleagues, it's all responsibility of the it's, team. It's the team. Then it will uh, create a lot of dynamics mm -hmm. in this neighborhood yeah. and it will use all the resources that are there to create solutions for patients. So if you say, uh, we yeah. don't need to control it, these nurses will do the best possible things, then you see that things happen. I'm really interested in, uh, in this concept of teams you built. Mm -hmm. you, you believe, I think you deeply believe in teams, in the power of teams as well. So can you explain us how a, a team unit will work? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they build their networks with the, um, uh, the doctors, the hospitals, they get the referrals, they advertise in their own way in the neighborhood. And then it's um, talk, just talking about how do we do this as a team. So yes. they make their own plans. Yeah. So they self-manage, basically. It's all self-managed. All self-managed. You don't have to say anything. You don't need to have a supervisor sitting on top, hey, do this, no. do that. They no, don't. no, we have coaches. <laughs> yes, coach. Okay. And the coaches come in when the teams have a difficulty, they can't solve themselves. They can solve themselves. So it's kind of mediator coming in to facilitate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, and then this, this coach things with them about, okay, what, what happened and what can we do about it? But yes. very focusing on the solution. I love it. So you've been certainly building a model, which I think is, is very human-centered. How have you stayed true to the principle of minimizing layers of management? Because I'm working in a very large company, Microsoft, and we have a lot of managers across the company. Yes. So how do you do that? Because you have now more than 12,000 people, I think. 15,000. 15,000. So um, yeah. you, know, you keep growing even faster. How do you do that? No, the idea is that if you have these routines in a team and the team is responsible for also the financial results and the teams understand very well, have a very simple business model. 
So I, I simplified the whole uh, tariff system. So I said, we only want to have one price. Wow. So that okay. makes it super easy. easy. <laughs> super easy. <laughs> then on the other hand, mm. I build it on the different costs per, per team. And I said, okay, if, if the income is it and the costs are that, then uh, it's a very easy to understand for teams that they need this kind of productivity to be, be financial. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what we do. Um, and then uh, every team can monitor in their own team dashboard how they're doing. And what we see is this, because we have now almost half a billion turnover, wow. but it's still on one sheet. Yes, on one so sheet. So one financial report is on <laughs> well, one sheet. With one price. With one price. So, and, yeah. and it's, it's important because, in my opinion, if everybody understands how the financial flows are and how they can influence it, yes. everybody will take responsibility. So therefore, we say, okay, we don't need the CFO. So I had this few years of uh, really? economics. So you, have Z- you don't have a CFO today? We don't have a CFO. <laughs> so we have uh, two controllers. Yeah, yeah. And they have to focus on the soft controls. Okay, good. So okay, we, have, we, we build on trust and we build on soft controls. Mm-hmm. It's always a discussion with our accountants. So uh, do we have enough information that we are sure About that things are going well? Integrity of the accounts. But I said yeah. after 15 years, yes. it's always the same. So... So yes, this this management paradigm, in my opinion, in in a lot of the industries, is limiting people. And what about the patient on the other side of the equation? What would the patient ask, say, about their needs? Because we, I mean, we probably all had some experience with our parents or friends in hospitals, and we all kind of suffer suffer that experience, which is not a nice one. Yes, yes, I I remember this uh, young woman, and she was. Um, 31, 32, I think. Mm. And I got an email from her and she said, um, I'm not writing this email myself. My mother is doing this, but I wanted you to know that uh, at the end of my life, because she died of breast cancer, mm. at the end of my life, I decided to go back to my parents' house and I got supported by one of your teams. And I never um, could uh, imagine that uh, at the end of my life I would get four new friends. And that took me to all the places I wanted to see in the last weeks of my life. And and uh, it, it felt that I could do anything and decide anything that I wanted to support me in the last uh, moments of my life. And that made my uh, last weeks uh, so meaningful um, And, you know, my mother is writing this, this email. Um, I'm wanted you to know that I'm thankful for you. And, and when it's happening for me, it probably will happen for many other patients too. And when she sent me this, she already died. So when I read this, I was crying behind my screen and it felt like, okay, this is, this is what I felt when I was a nurse that if you do these things, they're so important and have so much impact in people's lives. And this is what the bureaucracy took away, that people were not able to do these things anymore because it was not seen as productive nursing work. No, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to to listen to you, Jos. And the more I listen to you and the more I see you clearly as as a fantastic example of positive leader, what would be 
the advice you'd give to other people to become that kind of positive leaders, what would be your recommendation to them? Start thinking and what's important for you. So what kind of purpose, what kind of thing would you like to develop? And then how does it fit with possible businesses? And there it starts. So and then people understand, okay, this is I'm the purpose first. And then the profit. Right. So <laughs> in the right in order. The, in the right, right order. order. And then I also say yes. you really have to think about a good business model. Because you can be idealistic, but if the uh, business model is not right, then you will get big problems. That's for sure. So, so that's and, and I also say connect with people who inspire you. Yes. So ask if you if you have a network with, mm. with people with different skills, different um, ideas. Meet with them. Ask meet with them. Be curious. Yeah. Understand the way they have been yeah. realizing their potential as well. You know, we are in Davos together, the World Economic Forum. Tell me more about what you're expecting and, and how do you think that change makers, you know, what can they achieve in, in a forum like Davos? Mm. What I see is that the uh, attention for social innovation and, and, and social impact is, is growing. So also with uh, the, the uh, existing companies. So I think we can contribute to uh, how, it, how it can work. Because, but I, I'm also advising organizations to make transitions towards uh, a more self-organized way of, of doing things. Um, so contributing to that discussion, I feel responsibility for that. The other thing is I meet people who inspire me. So that's uh, it's good yeah. to have some reflection myself yes. from yeah. others, from different countries, different places. Um, and it gives also the opportunity to bring my ideas, for example, to the Prime Minister and, and mm. our Queen, who, uh, who I'm meeting yes. tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I will see. This is not, the, the formal part is not what I'm uh, looking for, but it's, it's there, of course. But um, I will try to use my time as useful as possible to meet people and talk about what I think is important. And I'm sure you're going to have a great impact, hopefully, with the Queen and many others. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. To impact so many lives in the Netherlands, but also yeah. far beyond. So, yes, yes, the block has been a real deep pleasure to meet with you. Wonderful uh, to share your story, but more importantly, the way you're impacting so many lives in the world. Mm. One nurse and one patient at a time. It's been inspiring. So, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. You've been listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with me, Jean-Philippe Courtois. To hear more from inspirational global leaders who are making a difference, subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.